Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So the Cowboys and Saints were playing. And every so often, you got to pay some respect on Jerry Jones or put some respect on Jerry Jones. Like, I've got to give it to this old dude. I really do. I mean, sure, he has said and done some of the wackest stuff ever. I mean, who will ever forget the time he tried to circumcise a mosquito? Or that other time when he was in a dark, dark place. A dark, dark place, and he was lower than a crippled cricket's ass. Handicapped insects. That's pretty low. Or how about that one time he described Ezekiel Elliott as rolling through the locker room with some sort of towel on himself or shorts and kind of spanking himself as he emulated riding a horse and that when Jarris saw that, it made him appreciate how much of an asset that Zeke is both on and off the field. The guy actually said that about Ezekiel Elliott, that Elliott's spanking himself in the locker room while emulating riding a horse made him a prized asset to the organization. And by the way, sidebar, judging from how Zeke looks right now, he's neither spanking himself nor emulating riding a horse nearly enough. But that's neither here nor there. Because I'm not here to rehash how whack Jarrah is. No, I want to start this program by putting respect on Jarrah. I want to start this program by giving Jarrah respect. That's what I'm here to do. Yes, I am. And yeah, I said it. And here's why. The Cowboys go into last night's game in a bad way. They're all banged up. They're playing like crap. And then a chunk of their coaching staff, including the big fella, Big Mike, gets sidelined with COVID. So, was the old dude sweating it going into the game? Hell no. He's Jerry freaking Jones. And he was going to be in New Orleans. And if you know anything about Jerry Jones and anything about New Orleans, you had to know those two monsters were on a collision course of nicety. There was no way my man was not going to get nice on Bourbon Street. I mean, have you ever been on Bourbon Street? Have you ever seen Jera out and about crawling around on any street? Hell yes, he was going to get nice. And nice might not even be giving Gramps enough credit because listen to what he had to say to a local radio station about that crawl down Bourbon Street. Anytime you see me, there's only 80% of me that you see. Over the last 50 years, 20% of me has been left on Bourbon Street <laughs> in New Orleans. It's a it's some kind of place. And boy, are there are Cowboy fans here. Well, thanks to 105.3 The Fan. I, I even think that even I, back in the day, saw that guy on Bourbon Street. Now, that that's an NFL owner right there. No correction. That's a 79-year-old man saying that he left 20% of himself on Bourbon Street. Whatever the hell that means. In fact, what does that mean? Does that mean he puked up 20% of himself? Because as much as I like Bourbon Street, I've been there. And it sometimes looks and feels like everybody who has ever hit that street left 20% of themselves on that street. Like, I'll never forget what it looked like and smelled like the first time I went to Mardi Gras. You don't forget that smell. 
nor do you forget what your shoes and pants look like when you get back to your hotel room. Is that what he's talking about? That he puked up and left 20% of himself out there on the street? Or is he talking about how he had even more work done and left 20% of what was left of his original face out there in the street? Like, I don't know. I long ago stopped trying to interpret or decode Jarrah's speak. I'm just going to assume that what he meant was he got lost in the sauce, per usual. Then again, if I had Ben McAdoo working for me in a game that I had to have, I'd be at the bottom of a bottle and in some gutter, too. And sure enough, before the game, Clarence Hill Jr. of the Star-Telegram tweeted, quote, Just saw Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on bourbon. He jokingly said he was coaching tonight and wanted to know what he should call on the first play. I said, send Amari Cooper on a go route to test his conditioning. He offered me a drink. I turned it down. I have to work. End of quote. Pretty amazing. That's our dude. A team owner hitting up Bourbon Street, just chopping it and slopping it up, joking about being the head coach that night and offering drinks to writers. And if that weren't enough, Ric Flair tweeted out a pic with Jerry. And the caption read, quote, the man meets the man. Woo! You gotta beat the man! I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Woo! Woo! I could not respect the same more than I do. Here's an owner. His team is in a must-win situation on the road against an equally desperate team. He's missing his head coach and five other assistants, and this dude is out here getting blasted and kicking it with Ric Flair and not even trying to hide it. You know how I've always said the most important thing, really? No, the most, not only the most important thing, but really the only thing is scoreboard. It's the only thing that matters. Scoreboard. Look up at it. I might have to actually rethink this thing because I don't think it applies to this rich old kook. Because even if they're getting their asses kicked, he obviously is still winning. He's living his best drunk life, even when they do get rolled. He's like 80-20, man. 80-20. 80-20, baby. 80-20. I'm going out, and I'm going to leave 20% of me wherever the hell I am. Or I'm going to go out and come back with 20% of my face missing. Or both. The 80-20 rule. Man, I love it. I love it. You know, people always have that, like, 90-10 rule, that 95-5 rule, that 80-20 rule. The thing is, I don't even think this guy cares if he wins or loses because he wins. But the fact of the matter is they did not get their asses kicked. They went into New Orleans, and they did what they had to do, and they got the dub. And after watching Dallas last season, here's something I thought that I would never say. Not only did they get that dub, it was their defense that got it done. Their defense, which was such ass last year bailed out the offense last night in old monkey butt McCarthy who wasn't there hell not only that not only did they do what they had to do not only did they get that dub they covered and they got me paid so I could talk some junk to the big head they made whoever laid the points very happy that's how weird last night was Jerry tearing up Bourbon Street, leaving 20% of himself out there, and the Cowboys' defense 
winning that game for them. Weird. You know what else was weird? Having the camera on Dan Quinn all night long. And not just having the the camera on Quinn all night long, but Dan Quinn on the sidelines rocking the backwards hat and looking like he adopted Mike McCarthy's diet all night long. How weird was that? I mean, credit for pushing all the right buttons and getting that atrocious D right. But damn, dude, stop using McCarthy's nutritionist. And as for the Saints, we got to make this part of it, right? I hate to say it for the Saints, but their season is over. And I hate to say this, but so is this notion that Taysom Hill is a starting NFL quarterback. Now, this is a different dude. It is. He's athletic. He's tough. He makes plays. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's all those things. He's just not a starting NFL quarterback. Now we know why Sean Payton has always used him as a change of pace guy. Now we know why he couldn't beat out Jameis Winston. Now we know why he couldn't even beat out Trevor Simeon. Because if you ask Taysom Hill to sling it, then bad things are going to happen. If you ask him to run it, he'll move the chains But because of the pounding he inevitably is going to take, it's just not sustainable. It's a unique dude. He is. Inevitable. He's just not a legitimate or viable QB1. Not when every single time they get back into a game, he inevitably splits some defender's numbers. No less an authority on ball security than Daniel Dimes himself. Cannot believe how often Taysom Hill gives it to the other guy. So... To recap our opening take on a Friday, I won my bet. Big Head lost his. Jarrah lost 20% of his innards or his face or both on Bourbon Street. Taysom Hill proved what has long been suspected, that even though he's tough as hell and athletic, he's not an NFL starting quarterback, even if the Saints keep paying him like he is. Oh, and Clarence, my man, you're a great journal, but with all due respect, how do you turn down a drink from Jarrah? How do you do that? I know I'm not. Not that he's offering me one, but if he did, no way I'm turning that down. If you were to hit me up with, hey, Van Smack, what should I do? What should I do? I want to coach tonight. What should I do? I'd be like, ah, oh, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what, first play, how about you run a double reverse wildcat flea flicker with Amari Cooper throwing it deep to Dak. No, Jared, how about this? How about letting Micah Parsons, freak, by the way, how about you let Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs play both ways and just RPO the hell out of that Saints D? 20% of me has been left on bourbon strike. <laughs> what does that mean, 20% of me has been left on bourbon strike? 20% of me has been left on bourbon strike. 20% <laughs> of you or 20% of your face or both? They did what they had to do, though. They got the dub. They got the the holidays. And you deserve a gift. A great gift. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. And a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I love mine. It is by far. The most comfortable and ergonomic chair I have ever used, and if I'm being honest, it's probably the coolest looking piece of furniture I own. 
not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either cool or warm your back. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early and buy right now. Here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. Nate Oates is my guest. Nate, always good to have you on the show. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing, Jim? Good, good. Nate, I'm curious, as you get ready for one of truly one of the biggest non-conference games this season in the entire sport, when you take on Gonzaga tomorrow night, what's the vibe and energy like among your players as you get ready for that game? What has the week been like for you? Yeah, I mean, they're ready. Uh, it's one of those deals where if you're going to be one of the better teams in the country, your top 25, you want to play the best. I mean, Gonzaga was number one. They were number one most of last year. They're one of the best programs in the country. So our guys are ready. You know, I think they want to test themselves against the best. So it's going to be a good game. I mean, Gonzaga's got the number one rated offense in the country. It's going to test our defense for sure. So, Nate, I wonder, like, you're focused on what you got to get done, what your guys got to get done. If you were to step back for one second, a lot of coaches, it seems to me, don't want to play a game like that. How important are games like this, though, for the sport of college basketball overall? I think it's really important. You know, I think, and if you look at Gonzaga, they've done a good job. I mean, they played Texas, they played UCLA, they played Duke. I mean, they're they're playing some heavy hitters, which is great for the sport. You know, gets viewership up, gets people interested in it. You know, you've got to have home games early in the year where you know maybe you buy some opponents in and get your home base, but you also got to play big games and neutral sites. And you know, I shoot, I want to play the best. I want to test ourselves against the best. And I, I think it's really good for the sport of basketball that. Some of these games are played. I do, too. I think it's awesome. I think it's tremendous. Nate Oates is the head basketball coach at Alabama. Nate, before you go, I'll circle back to that. But I want to ask you about a couple of your guys. You're coming off a game where you had 19 assists in the second half against Miami. You and I have talked in the past about how you want that offense to look and feel. How pleased were you with the ball movement against the Hurricanes? Yeah, in the second half, I mean, that's the best half of basketball we played this year. So it was good it came coming into this game. You know, 19 assists to four turnovers is how we want to play. We want the ball moving. Now, it helps your assist numbers when you shoot 13 or 17 from three as well. There's no, no guarantee we're going to shoot that well in a half again. But I also think your shooting numbers go up when the ball moves like we uh, we had it moving. So we're going to try to keep the ball moving, you know, and not sticking. And we've got shooters. And I think when the ball moves and you get open shots, you're, you're going to shoot a higher percentage. So it, was, it was good to have a basketball uh, for us against Miami in that second half. We put 63 points on him in a half, and the ball moved like it did. Nate Oates joining us. Keon Ellis, Nate, had a big game in that win over Miami. 22 points, four rebounds, a couple of assists. His minutes have gone up this year. So much show was well, production has, too. Coming into the season, you were talking him up, and you said, quote, I probably should have played him more, to be honest with you. I thought that was a really honest assessment by you. What did you see in him late last season that gave you the impression, and how has he responded so far this year? I mean, he's easy to play with. He's super efficient. He doesn't shoot bad shots. I mean, you know, one of those, we played three games down in Orlando. One of those games, you only got three shots up, which is not good as the coach. You're a guy that's that efficient only gets three shots. And you talk to some other guys on the team, like, we can't have it. They know he's a really talented player. He just, 
He's going to take what the defense gives him. He's going to move the ball when it's supposed to be moved. He's going to take great shots. He's going to play both sides of the ball. And we've got analytics company that gives us data. I mean, he was one of our highest offensive and defensive leverage guys last year just because he's so efficient. So, you know, he's got a way bigger role this year. We need him to be a little more aggressive. I think he's starting to find, you know, that there's a fine line between not overdoing it, but being aggressive. And I, you know, we needed him to be a little more aggressive. And I think he's starting to figure that out a little bit more. We're talking to Nate Oates. He's the head basketball coach at Alabama. You know, Nate, I'm looking at this, and you're number 16 in the country despite losing the SEC Player of the Year, a total of four starters, a key reserve. Two of your guys went in the first 35 picks in last year's draft. So how do you explain the fact that you lose all of that talent and you were still right back in the mix? Yeah, I think, you know, we lost four of our top six scores, but we do have the top two back in Shackelford and Quinterly. And I think, you know, recruiting's gone well. You know, J.D. Davidson's McDonald's All-American. He's playing really well for us. He had a really good game against Miami. You know, I, I you know, we've got a program that's exciting to play in. I think we're able to recruit. And we we lost a lot, but we did have some guys back. You know, Jawan Gary and Keon Ellis were, were big role players you know Juwan only averaged eight minutes a game but he was coming on late Keon Ellis was coming on late so we've got you know those four returners we were able to add Noah Gurley in the transfer portal who's played a lot of big time minutes you know at Furman and they're a really good program so you know and then our recruiting's gone well and it went well again this year so we're hoping to keep the program up you know it's gonna be hard to have the same record we had in SEC play last year but you know I think we can keep the program up towards the top uh, level of the SEC and one of the top 25 teams in the, in the country. That, that's the plan right now. All right, so Nate, you just mentioned two things that I wanted to ask you about. I was going to ask you about J.D. He's one of the new faces. He's from a really small town south of Montgomery. He had 13 points. He had 10 assists. He had six rebounds. He had a really nice game against Miami. What is it about him and his game that makes him unique? He's so explosive. I mean, he's maybe the most explosive guard in the country. His athleticism's through the roof. And then you tack on the fact he's maybe the most unselfish kid we've got. So he's able to get, you know, in the lane, make plays, and then he's really looking to make plays for his teammates almost too much. You know, we got we got to tell him to be more aggressive. Like, if you're always just looking to make plays for your teammates, defense going to build out and the passing lanes aren't going to be there. So you got to be aggressive, use your athleticism, continue to be unselfish, you know, when it's appropriate. And I he's got a poise about him for a freshman that's you know uncommon and I I think he's playing really well you know we just got to keep pumping him up he's he's able to make threes he's just not comfortable yet taking them as often as he maybe needs to but he's playing downhill he's moving the ball he's getting better on defense you know most freshmen aren't great defenders they haven't had to play in a system like that but he's getting better every day and his athleticism really separates him from everybody else. Alabama head coach Nate Oates joining me for another moment or so. you got a big game coming up. you got Gonzaga and Alabama. So Gonzaga's got a ton of talent, obviously. They've got a ton of size, obviously. Nate, when you look at the combination of Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, what kind of what kind of thoughts do you have? Yeah, I mean, they've got two really skilled players with size in there that can both really pass the ball and score it. I mean, Chet's a huge target at the rim. He's so long. Nobody kind of plays more like a wing with his skill level you know but it, Timmy's more physical than Chet Chet's you know a little more um, skilled if you would say and kind of faces the basket Timmy will drop his shoulder in you and play with a lot more physicality and 
punish you uh, more at the rim. But they but they both find each other well. They pass, you know, and they find the guards cutting. I mean, this is one of the best passing teams in the country. You got multiple guys averaging, you know, two three assists. Like so, I they're really they're, there's a reason they're number one offense in the country. And those, those two guys are a big part of it. Their guards are really unselfish. You know, Nimhart's averaging almost six assists a game. So. We, we've got our hands full, but I think our guys are up to it. You know, we've we had the third best defense in the country last year. Our uh, our program's trying to really build it on playing hard, playing defense the right way. You know, this is a big test uh, for our defense this year. Hmm. I was going to say, Nate, what else? Like your team, you don't need to tell them the opportunity that's in front of them. They know that. They know what you expect from them defensively. Is there anything else there? Like, what is your message to your team as they get ready for this great opportunity? Yeah, I mean, we got to come out, play hard. We got to be the more aggressive team, you know, which is going to be hard to do. I mean, Gonzaga plays really hard. Their transition offense is one of the best in the country. So we, I mean, we got to be playing hard, getting back on the not giving them transition points. I mean, if you looked at a couple of their get, big games, you know, they played UCLA and Texas and kind of punched both those teams in the mouth right out of the gate. I mean, we've got to be ready to play out of the gate, and then we just got to move the ball. If we're unselfish on offense and really locked into it defensively. I believe we've got the talent to play with them and give them a run, but we we got to have both going. You can't when you're playing an elite team, you can't be great offense or great defense. You can't pick and choose. You got to be great on both sides of the ball for 40 minutes. And we've shown that at times, but we got to do it for the whole 40 at uh in this one. Man, I absolutely love it. I love the matchup. Number 16, Alabama, going up against number three, Gonzaga, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Nate, I could feel the energy. I could feel the intensity. I know your guys will be ready to roll. you got a big challenge in front of you. Great to have you on to talk that game up, Nate. Thanks so much. Good luck to you. No, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure being on the show. I love, love listening to your show. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 13, totals for college football week 14 or both win bet has you covered are you looking for other sports win bet has that too it's all right there for you with your win bet app win bet is also fully integrated with win rewards that means by playing win bet you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at win resorts discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so it's been quite a week in college football. Why don't we get into this now? Brian Kelly broke up with his players at Notre Dame by text on Monday night. Then he came back and he had a super awkward, super short meeting with the same players that he abandoned the very next morning. Then this morning, Notre Dame introduced the players to their new head coach, former D coordinator Marcus Freeman. From the reaction... It's pretty clear that the players have already forgotten about that old dude that they used to play for, and they can't wait to get after it for the new young dude that they're about to play for. So, what I'm going to do now, okay, because your brand new head football coach.
I mean, that that sounds pretty awesome, but if you can see the video, it's tremendous. I have not seen a domer, a single domer or a team of domers or any of them that hype for anything since the legend Troy Nicholas was getting hyped for everything. Hey, I like to get hyped for games. When I get hyped, I take my shirt off. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not sure that I've ever seen a dude in a suit own a room the way Freeman just owned that room. That dude seemed like in complete and total control one step into that room. Like he had a complete and total buy-in the second he walked into that room. I mean, the buzz, the juice, the energy. Did they just introduce a head coach or did they just win a national championship? Did they hate Brian Kelly that much or do they love Marcus Freeman that much? Can it be both? I don't really know. I just know this. That was a hell of a scene. I can't wait to see this dude do some work in South Bend because from the looks of things, his players cannot wait to get to work for him there. Which brings us back to the man of the hour. My man Brian Kelly had himself a week. As mentioned, it never goes well when a head coach decides to bounce, even if they're careful, even if they're smooth. Ask Lincoln Riley. Riley is about as smooth as they come, and even he caught some for leaving OU the way he did. And if it's going to stick to a guy who's as smooth as Riley, you know a guy who's not so smooth, Brian Kelly, is going to catch some. But I don't think he really cared about that. Kelly didn't care. He didn't care about that, nor did he care about what he left behind. He was on to more important matters, namely making a great first impression in Baton Rouge. So he did the typical thing. He shook some hands. Then he reached for the mic at the basketball game. You expect that. It happens all the time. What you don't expect is that guy to sound like this. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. The hell was that? Is he talking about family? Was that Brian Kelly, or as I mentioned, was that the hick? from French Lick himself. I've interviewed Brian Kelly numerous times over the years on this show, on my TV shows, any number of places. I don't ever remember him sounding like that before. Alvy, can you run that back again? It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family and we are so excited Who are you here with? to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans, and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Hey, listen, I understand that if you move to another part of the country, or you move out of the country, and you stay in that new place long enough, you might, you might pick up some of the local dialect. Like I went to high school with some kid here in Cali. He goes to college in Texas. A few years later, I met up with this guy, and he sounded straight redneck. And it blew me away. But it took him a few years to get like that. Kelly, though, gets off that airplane, 
steps onto the tarmac like he's rocking overalls, strumming a banjo, and blowing into a jug. The hell is this guy doing? Elvie, I need that one more time. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans, and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. The hell is this guy thinking? The hell is this guy doing? He's from Boston. He has to know how terrible it sounds when somebody tries to fake an accent because there are few accents more comical than somebody not from Boston trying one of those out, especially for a movie. The guy's coached in Michigan and Ohio and spent the last 12 years in northern Indiana. But he steps out of that airplane in Louisiana with a stronger accent than Ed Orgeron himself. Who the hell did you think you were going to fool with that, Brian? And why the hell would you even try it in the first place? It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans. And, and this dude's about to start talking about his days going, going down to the swimming hole by the creek. And only coming home when his ma calls him. And then having to put out and do his laundry out on the porch in a wash tub. Don't even get this guy started. You see, I love him just blowing out a tune on that jug. And don't get this guy going on whether or not tomatoes are allowed in gumbo. And if you're fixing to add bay leaves and celery, he's going to hit you upside your head with a po' boy. I'm telling you, like, why? For who? For what? They know who they hired, dude. Who are you fooling with that? I've talked to this guy so many times over the years, I've never heard him sound like that. Nor did I even know that he owned a jug, much less was willing to blow into it. I'm here with my family. I'm surprised he didn't walk out onto the floor in overalls and no shoes, rocking that jug. So does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device, and it allows you to catch your game live. And then you have another one that allows you to stream your favorite programs. And then you watch sports highlights from your phone, and then you've got that neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Probably that's the way you live your life. Let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. I use it myself. What it does is it brings your live TV and your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible device is required. Content varies by package. Josh Bynes is my guest. 
Josh, really nice to have you on. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I appreciate Jim having me on. Really good to have you on, Josh. Eager to talk to you. And it's December, and you're playing in big games with the Ravens. There's a lot to talk about regarding your journey. But before I get to that, how would you describe the intensity of games when you're facing divisional rivals in December? Does everybody find another gear? Oh, yeah, you have to. You have to in these games. These are huge games. Uh, everyone matter. Um, especially at this stretch of the season. And um, we have uh, these three in a row. Obviously, this is the most important one because it's the first, this one in, in the way right now. And um, there's nothing bigger than, of course, this rivalry right here, be Pittsburgh versus the Ravens. You know, Josh, the, the team itself, it's been such an unusual year in the sense that it suffered so many injuries even before the year began. But here you are in December and you're in first place. From the outside, it seems like no matter who is there or who is hurt, the Ravens are always going to compete and they're going to be right in the thick of things. How do you explain that? I just think the organization just uh, does it the right way and just putting guys in the right places and and uh, making it making it, uh, everything happen. Uh, and we have the right players. Uh, the players, no one... Um, whenever somebody is down, knowing when to step up, and uh, that's been the story since I came came in the league here, and now it's still going with the right guys in the right places, and just knowing when to step up when their name is called, and and to go out there and make plays, and um, we're having guys doing that, and we have to continue that, especially down this uh, last what six game stretch. Josh Bynes joining us. I think that's really interesting, really well said. And you started with the organization. Like earlier this year, you had a look with the Panthers. Other teams were also interested in you, but you came back to Baltimore. It's your third stint with the Ravens. And as you said, your heart is through and through purple. Like I can make the argument, having done this as long as I have, that there really isn't a lot of loyalty in pro sports. Business is business. It could be so ruthless out there. So what is it about the organization and the team that means so much to you? I just, you know, this team gave me opportunity. Um, it started from back when I was undrafted in 2011. They uh, just just knew, showed me com- uh, like how to work and how to be a pro and what it takes to to be in this league and uh, what you got to sacrifice, what you got to give in order to continue to play such a long time in this league. And I take those core values and I just took it everywhere I went and competed. No matter what was in my way, whatever I, I got hurt or wasn't starting at the time, ended up starting, and I just took all that, all the things I learned, and took it, or took it everywhere else I went. All right, so and I, and that continued to mold me into where I'm at now. My bad, I'm starting to interrupt you, Josh. I was going to say because I was, I was kind of excited. Yeah, thanks, man. I was kind of excited to get to this point because I was going to say if my count is correct, you played in one game as a rookie. Undrafted players who play in one game as a rookie generally do not last beyond that, but you're still in the league a decade <laughs> later. How much pride do you take in that fact? Oh my God, I, I just it's just amazing. Uh, it, it's just uh, you know see how far I've come to where I'm at now and still going. Uh, it's just I just I gotta give my wife all the credit because she's super supportive and been amazing, and give God all the glory for that as well. And it's just uh, it's just been a wild ride, but it's just just. A, just keep my head down and working and trying to improve and, and be consistent as I possibly can uh, year in and year out. And so, just prove everybody wrong who said I wouldn't be able to last that long in this league, that's for sure. I, you want to prove everybody wrong, but I'm sure you want to prove the ones who believed in you right. I understand that, too. Now, the fact of the matter is you bring so much to it. You've got guys who look to you, guys who lean on you, guys who want to pick your brain. When you first arrived in the league, who were some of the guys who you learned from and taught you how things were done in Baltimore? Uh, yes, uh, three guys. Uh, there was linebackers that was undrafted, Jamil McClain, Donnell Ellaby, and Albert McClellan. Those guys 
uh, were undrafted linebackers who were young and just taught me how to be a pro and what what the coaches look for, what the scouts look for, what you know this and that, and just learning the game and just evolving. And uh, those three guys were were pivotal pivotal in my early career. And so at least when I had those guys, at least that's what I want to take and continue to do that for every team I've been on is try to get guys to understand, you know, what it took to be in this league this long, what it takes, what it, you know, how to evolve mentally each and every game, how to take things from each game and, you know, evolve and, and play the game inside the game, uh, whatever, whatever I can give to make anybody be better than where they are, I'm, I'm always willing to give because I had guys to do that for me when I first came in. Josh Bynes giving back. I love that. You know, I mentioned off the top that you're a Super Bowl champion. As somebody who was undrafted, the fact that you ended the game with a tackle of Ted Ginn, <laughs> what kind of memories do you have of that play, and what was it like to make the tackle to end a Super Bowl? See, that was this, this crazy part of that year is I started the season, uh, and I broke my back earlier that year in, in training camp, like the second day of full pads. And I was in shock, and I, I was like, well, I'm, I might not be here anymore, or I don't know if I'm going to be able to play anymore. I was all uncertain. And to become full circle at the end of the year, I ended up making that last tackle to seal the game. I thought it was just it's just insane how I started that year until ending, ending it that season and winning something magical for this team and this organization. Um, and, and it just means the world to me, and you know, just to be overcome such adversity early on in my second year, just trying to, oh, my gosh, trying to make a team, trying to show that I can play, and all of a sudden I get hurt, and, oh, my gosh, it might be over for me. So, like, obviously now, you know, that that moment, just making one of the biggest plays of my whole life, and uh, and obviously I'm, you know, still trying to continue doing that uh, right now as we speak. <laughs> Dude, they make movies about stuff like that. I mean, that, that's amazing. <laughs> like, so you were a champion in college, and you're a champion in the NFL. So is winning just kind of a part of your DNA, or is it something that you can teach and impart to others? Oh, it's just, I just know what it takes. You know, when you win the national championship, and I thought that was the highest moment of all, all, all my career, and then all of a sudden I win a Super Bowl and realized, like how hard that really is. Like you just you understand what it takes to win and knowing what you have to sacrifice and have to give to be successful. And and that's what it takes to win a championship. You gotta, you know, do what you have to do. It don't matter what has to be done, but as long as you have one more point than the next person, you kicking someone's butt out there on the field, whatever it takes. Um, and I it just I, you that in part see you, you know, you just wanna it, you just wanna pour that out on everyone else so they know what that's like, and they can finally feel that one day when that time comes. Josh, I think there's so much to like about you and your game. and It's just like it's kind of – it's not only the way you handle your business and the way you prepare, and you know how it is. No matter how good of a guy you are or how badly you want it or how hard you work, if you don't make plays when it matters, it's just not going to matter. My question for you is this. Like what I'm hearing, I'm hearing joy. I'm hearing joy in a really fierce business, a really painful business, <laughs> a really cutthroat business. I'm hearing joy and enthusiasm oh, yeah. and passion. Is is this the way you've always been or did you learn to be like this? I, I had to evolve because like like you said, undrafted and trying to trying to control every single aspect. And to realize that, like I said, I have a great look. I have a great wife, and she's super amazing. But like, she really was on me to not stressing and only control what you can control. And that's a lot of times what we say in the building is about for guys, you know, who always, you know, we all of us come from this high position, number one in the state, best player on the team. And you come in the league and you realize everybody was the best player in the team, best in the county, best in the state. 
and you're not in the role you thought you would be in. And at least me, I was at least I thought I'd be drafted, and I wasn't. And then maybe playing, and then I wasn't. Or I got hurt, but then I'm not playing. It was just a, a lot of going back and forth. And I just honed into the fact that i got to control what I control. I control what I put out there on tape and on field and how I just go about my business each and every day. As long as I do do that, take care of that, everything else will take care of itself. And uh, one of the guys or one of the veterans, uh, Daryl Tapp, that's my guy, and he's always said this thing. He said, you're playing a kid's game for a king's ransom. I'm sorry, yeah, a kid's game for a king's ransom. So who am I to complain? And I'm like, you're right. Who am I to complain? I'm a, I wake up and I love this game. I play for the other guys on the field. And uh, you got no choice but to enjoy this. Such good stuff. So one last thought. You mentioned your wife a couple of times. Like, I have this amazing wife. She's helped me so much. You know that whole thing about <laughs> you can't get caught up in what you can't control as an athlete. You know, and this applies to all of us in any walk of life, but as an athlete, you hit that from, like, day one. Don't worry about things that are out of your control. It's interesting to me that you said that your wife was the one who kept hammering that point early on. Like, did she have an athletic yeah. background? Where did she learn that? What, oh, yeah. What is my, she like? My wife, uh, yeah. So we went to college. She was a volleyball player at Auburn with me. And, uh, and she played basketball as well in high school. But in college, she went to college for volleyball. So she knows. You know, she's been here every step of the way, you know, and seeing the things I went through to get to this point, uh, trying to find a job when I got cut my rookie year, trying to, you know, find a regular job. And all of a sudden, I can find a job. And the same day I find a job, Ozzy calls me and says, hey, Josh, I want to bring you back to Baltimore. And little I know, that call would be me playing in the league still now, 11, uh, these last 11 years now. So it's just it's just been a blessing. And I appreciate my wife just, like, staying there and knowing – you know, knowing how it gets frustrating sometimes and understand, like, okay, just take it one game at a time, a week at a time, and everything else will take care of itself. And, and that's just how I am still to this day. That's so great. And to this day, a Super Bowl champion, a BCS champion, undrafted and still in and playing at a really high level a decade in. Baltimore is 8-3. and three. They're in first, and they got a big one coming up on Sunday at Pittsburgh. Josh Bynes, my guest. My man, that is great. Positive energy, great passion, great joy, man. Just a, it's a feel-good thing, right? We need that. It's great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you, Josh. No, I appreciate you for having me. I, I really do, and I'm glad to spread that kind of energy to you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This gambling game is hard, dog. Well, but, uh, but, dog, man, I almost choked on my spit. That rapping game is hard, dog. This gambling game is hard, dog. I say this not to make an excuse. I say this not to hedge in any way, but merely to state a fact and to remind you that while it is fun, it's fun as hell. It's challenging as hell. There are people who do nothing but study the NFL, who work that beat exclusively, and they pick games, and they're getting their brains beaten in. And I don't mean they go 3-3 three and three or even 2-4 and four for the weekend. I mean, I've seen guys that I truly respect go 0-4. Oh, 0 oh, for the weekend. 0-7, oh, 3-10, and 3-12, and and things like that. I mean, really sharp people who are getting their brains beaten in. You have to keep that in mind, which is why, once again, I want to repeat this. When Dana White joined me on my podcast this week, he reminded me that while he loves blackjack, and I reminded him, while he kills it in blackjack, he hates sports gambling because it's so bleeping hard. I don't really like to bet on sports. It, it, you know how people say it makes the game more interesting? I disagree, man. It's just, it just it, it makes me hate the game. You know, like all these crazy things happen, and, and the game is there's 30 seconds left of the game, and it's definitely going under. And then all these crazy series of events happen, and the game goes over. And all, that stuff happens every time I bet on sports. So I don't do it anymore. You don't like losing or is there the stress involved? 
I hate losing. Number one, I hate to lose. Number two, yeah, it's it's super stressful, and and and, and it's, you can't tell me that you go into Sunday with the NFL and there's teams that you know these guys suck, these guys are terrible. There's no way they're going to cover the spread, and they always do. They always manage. The team that shouldn't win wins. The team that shouldn't cover covers. I'm telling you, man, Dana White nailed that. He's right. So with that in mind, the big head. Fresh off getting his ass kicked last night for taking the Saints plus six and a half. We man up. We suck it up. We get ready to head into the weekend so we can get right. What's up, head? Man, I feel a lot like Dana White tonight or today, Jim, after last night's game. The one time it's I 10 o'clock in the morning, points. dude. Why are you talking about tonight? It's 10 a.m., dude. <laughs> the one time I take the points, I get it right in the face, man. Right in my face. All right, right that's 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 one for you, head. I'm I was going to ask you how you would describe your head space right now, hey, oh, but you did. All right, let's get right to it. All right. Dude, behave yourself. Let's get into it, and why don't we start with the one thing that we do know, head, about the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. The one thing we know week to week is that we don't know a damn thing about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Actually, though, there is something I do know. No, wait, Head. There are two things that I know. No, wait. There are three things that I know. Number one, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is a freaking stud. Number two, the Texans run defense is ass. Number three, Taylor is going to run it right down their throats. The Colts are at Houston. They're heavy favorites. I don't think anybody anywhere, including the Texans, think they're going to win. But as usual, it's not about that. We're here to talk about the number and figure out which way we are going to go with that number. What are you seeing in that game? Who do you like? Colts minus nine and a half is what I got, and I'm hitting that, Jim. I like the Colts a lot. They're getting better and better each week. They waxed the Bills two weeks ago, and really, they were the better team against Tampa outside of two bad, stupid plays last week. But like you said, this week, they will run Taylor, and he will go off against a run D that allows 4.5 yards per carry. Their defense should also play big against the worst offense in football in Houston, The Colts are tied with Buffalo for being the best team in football and forcing turnovers. They force 2.3 turnovers per game. Indy is 4-1 on the road via the spread this season. Let's make it 5-1. Indy minus 9.5. All right, Head. I don't know how that pick goes, but that was without question the smoothest you have ever been. Dude, give me time. Give me time. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next one. There you go. First pick is Colts minus 9.5. Not only are there no sure things in the NFL now, there is almost nobody head that I trust anymore. It's like Dana White said. There are certain games, there are certain teams that are straight garbage, and you know there's no way they're going to win or they're going to cover because they're garbage. Then they go out and they do what we thought was impossible, and we get our asses burned, and it happens every single week. Example, Eagles at the Jets. I want to like the Eagles. I want to love Jalen Hurts, but I don't trust the team or the guy because I just don't know week to week what I'm going to get. Good news is, more often than not, we know exactly what we're going to get from the Jets. Garbage. But then again, even the Jets have risen up twice and beaten the Bengals and the Titans. Mm -hmm. So, head, it's all dicey to me, especially this game, yet you want to play it. What's the number? How do you see it? 
The number is Philly minus six and a half. I'll take that, Jim. Look, Hertz had the worst game of his career last week against the Giants. If he plays bad here against the 32nd ranked Jets defense, the thought of him being the franchise quarterback in Philly is iced. I think he bounces back here. The offensive line should impose their will, and they will run Ice. wild against the worst run defense in football, according to Pro Football Focus. Also, Zach Wilson is playing. He has 10 picks in seven games, and that bodes well for Philly's defense. Against the spread, the Jets are 1-6 in, in their last seven games via team with a losing record. Philly is 5-7. and seven. That's in play. Eagles minus 6.5. Hey, I got to tell you something, man. You are dialed in. I don't know if it's because, if it's because you got your ass kicked last night. You are locked in. Good oh. info, smooth delivery. I like it. Let me add to that game. My man Darius Slay is going to get at least one off that turnover machine. That is Zach Wilson. I'm going to roll with you on that one. Slay. I'm with nice. you. Nice. All right, next game. WFT at Vegas. Truth is, generally speaking, I sort of like WFT as a team. Mm -hmm. Not as a dirty, revolting, dysfunctional organization, right. but I sort of like them as a team. Kind of, because they sort of have playmakers that I like. On the flip side, we know the Raiders have had a brutal season off the field, yet somehow had their 6-5. and five. They're still in the hunt. You had this intriguing battle, too, within the battle. Derek Carr going up against his former head coach, Jack Del Rio. You know there's bad blood there. You know they don't like each other. You know they want to get over on each other. Even though I never know what I'm going to get from the Raiders, somehow, depending on the value I can get, I find myself leaning that way. Because on occasion, Head, you know the Raiders, when they show up, they really show up, and it feels to me like it's one of those weeks. How do you see this matchup? A lot of people like the Washington football team here, Jim. The number has moved down to Raiders minus one and a half, and I'll actually take the silver and black here. The Carr v. Jack matchup is the difference in what you just said. Advantage Carr, though. The NFL's leading passer takes on the 30th-ranked pass defense of Del Rio's without some of his best pass rushers. I love Carr here. Also, you want to run the ball against the Raiders, and that's not what Washington does really good on offense. Add the fact does that does really Vegas, well, 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 yeah. well, not good. Uh -huh. Well, you're you're cruising, dude. <laughs> I was cruising. Nice grammar. Go ahead. Fact as well that Same. the Vegas Raiders haven't played since Thanksgiving, and Washington is traveling across the country on that short week. I like the Raiders minus one and a half here, man. I'll tell you what, dude, you are just way too smooth, man. What are you, I Ivy League <laughs> educated now? All right, so Raiders minus one and a half versus WFT. One of my favorite matchups. Now, this is my favorite matchup. My favorite matchup of the weekend, Jags at Rams. I say that because Pervin Liar is in town, which is awesome. Number two, the Rams. More than anybody need a get-right game this week, and the Jags are the ultimate get-right team. And number three, if the Rams finally nut up and they punch the Jags in the face, then Buddy is in the perfect place in the event that he wants to abandon his team once again and have another Buddy night out. No. He can't just throw on his Ohio State pullover and post up with some co-ed at his own bar. But Buddy can roll right through Hollywood, and nobody will know who the hell he is or even give a damn. He'll be just another middle-aged perv and liar, and this town has a million of them already. So, pervy L is exactly where he needs to be this weekend. Just don't hold the jet for him because he's probably not getting on it with the rest of the team and staff. In terms of the game, which I bring you back for, uh -huh. editorial aside, the Rams are not who we thought they were ahead, 
but under Perv's tutelage, Trevor Lawrence is not getting better. He's getting worse. What's the number? How are you playing it? That's such a fascinating thought. If Perv Jim can't compose himself with Columbus Skank, how in the world can he handle Los Angeles ass? I don't know, man, but maybe Odell's dad, Splicer, could follow him around all weekend. But um, the game? I will allow that. <laughs> the Rams are favored by 12 and a half, and despite not covering in their past five games, I'm taking them again. The Jags' offense has averaged 11.4 points a game while losing four of their past five games. Like you said, Trevor Lawrence hasn't handled pressure well. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd should be on his backside like Buddy in a bar, often unapologetic and shameless as hell late in the game. Lawrence is also playing without his tight end and possibly his running back James Robinson. As long as your guy Matthew Gofford doesn't go pick six with this thing again, he should feast against that horrible secondary. Let's go Jalen Ramsey in the Rams minus 12 and a half. Wow, dude. I, I don't know how you don't walk off on that. That was your best work to date. However, I know you've got one more game, the big head. I feel like I've seen this movie before. Mr. Big Chest, Antonio Brown doing Mr. Big Chest things. Yes, he stayed down for a while. Yes, bringing him in did pay big dividends to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you know this guy, you know it was just a matter of time before Mr. Big Chest started doing Mr. Big Chest things. Mr. Big Chest. Big Chest like that never change. And come to find out he was rocking a fake Vax card because, of course, he was. I'm not saying he's the only one. I'm saying does it surprise anybody at all that he was the one that had it and got caught. So, in other words, the more things change, the more they stay exactly the same. The only thing, Head, that makes me think mm -hmm. I've already seen this movie is that the Bucks were struggling, struggling recently, like they were struggling, struggling last year, and then they got right at the right time. I feel like it's happening again. It feels eerily similar to me as it did last year. How does it feel to you? What's your thought and deal with this game? Yeah, it's that time. It has that feel for the Bucks to start coming around here. And, dude, A.B., this team and Tom is a hell of a lot better when old Frozen Foot's out there. It's unreal how much better and a difference that that guy makes with these yeah, guys. Now, having said that, I still like Tampa here, Jim, because that number is actually now dropped to 10 points, so minus 10. It could be tricky with it being a road <laughs> division game, but the Falcons can't rush the passer. They are dead last in the NFL in sacks. They haven't won at home. Tom should feast here, and their defense should be all over Matty Ice. Bucks, they want that first-round bye. Let's lay the 10 and take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, so you never know what's going to happen week to week, but I will say this, Head. I will say this. You've never sounded better. The information sounds tight and dialed in. Run it back very quickly for me on air, no. then take it to Twitter. Chalk, chalk, chalk. All chalk. Colts minus 9.5. Eagles minus 6.5. Vegas minus 1.5. Rams minus 12.5. Tampa minus 10. There you go. Just so there's no confusion, we're not talking about the newest member of the XR4TI, Chalk. I don't want to talk down to people, but for those who do not understand, what does Chalk mean? Going with the favorite and laying the points on every single one of these. Chalky as hell. Nice yep. job, Head. Good Very. luck. Let's get down. Let's get paid. Let's get it. Thanks, good Jim. job, dude. Good job. I feel good about it. I really do. 
Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. A tremendous Monday to you. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. So good to be here. You've had some time away from me. I've had some time away from you. It's good to be back. Let's do it. Hell of an NFL weekend, wasn't it? I'm going to start with the Vikings. So how was your weekend? Get up into anything embarrassing? Because Kirk Cousins did. Yeah! Well, now he's behind Ole Udo. Gotta take Full time out! You know it's bad when the radio announcers are calling it out as he's doing it, and they're screaming at him. Call time out! Call time out! like if I came in the studio one day, running in late, I'm trying to get everything set up, Iggy Pop's going, you're on, and I start talking into one of the cameras. Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the channel. Not the microphone. I'm yapping up into a camera. It's nonstop. Every day. Hold up. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Are you going to be the next head coach at USC? Well, yes. Next question. Compare his brand and his skills with USC's brand and to me, it's a win-win. OU Nation is pissed. Andy Staples joining us. If you think that you hit a ceiling in Oklahoma ceiling and that your roof. ceiling would be higher at USC, then you're still going to take USC. Move on with humble hearts. Take the high road. Is there but, anybody uh, anywhere who thought Harbaugh was going to take the high road? Yes, it was a big win. Yes, they beat the hell out of them. But it's also the jaw, and it wasn't supposed to take six years. They're standing on third base, think they hit a triple. Emails. Some people are born on third base, and they think they hit a triple. You coach Michigan, so you were born on third base, too. Adrian Amos, my guest. No casseroles. I know a lot of people show me pictures of their casserole. That's what made me say it. Is it green bean casserole? Thank or you, dude. Like that? I'm so I glad you said that. I can't that. deal with that. Charles. Robinson. It's a small thing, but the Rams, Patrick Ramsey, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, <laughs> Patrick Ramsey. Wow, that's a that's a blast from the past. Uh, <laughs> Kids, kids, wait. You can go through the toy store. You each get $40. Oh, hell no. Grab something right now. We're out of here. We're gone. Yeah, but Mr. Rome, it doesn't add up to 40 bucks. I don't care, Junior. We're out of here. It's blocked. Seattle, I hate to say it, but right now, Russ is not what he once was. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle, you can't blame him either, man. Hey, Seattle, you now are keeping company with the Lions, the Jags, and the Texans. How's that grab you, Seattle? Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. The, the, the many... Um, Thanks. <laughs> I'm having a little uh, heartfelt here. Yeah, that or a stroke. He's Dan Wetzel. Brian Kelly busting out from Notre Dame for LSU. Why would he leave right now? Like, they can get in the playoffs. It goes against everything we've ever heard in sports, which is nobody believes in us but the guys in the locker room. And he's just basically going, yeah, we can't do this. I'm out. Jimmy Ward is my guest. When they changed the rule, saw that hammer to hammer hit, I didn't hit up high anyway. So that worked to my favor. I was always taught low man win. And I was right. Vogel is not the problem, even if ultimately he probably is going to lose his job over all their other problems. You give it another month, we'll find a way to blame Vogues for Space Jam 2. Dave Clawson joining us. I think the system is broke. You have coaches that have led their team to 10-win seasons and going to great bowl games that are taking themselves and their whole staff with them. I'm not holier than now, Jim. I did the same thing. I'm going to open your eyes to the sexual harassment. You told them you could help them a couple of months back. You were ready to go back to this horrible organization that you can't wait to light on fire. At best, that's a money grab. At worst, that is straight extortion. No pressure no diamonds. I'm about to pre-order now. Pre-order now. What's your beef? Yeah, I got a beef. I got a beef with unlocked kitchen cabinets that keep my old trapper safe. All these protein pirates. Yeah, my beef is when you pass the guy going 10 miles an hour under the speed limit and you get the bird. My beef is, where's my child? Where's my child? She's asking me. And I'm like, what's your own damn child? It's my ball. I'm like, can you turn that ball over for a minute? In giant red letters, Rome. <laughs> 
Like, oh, mm, mm. The Giants. Yeah, Daniel Jones. He's got a neck injury. I, I'm well aware of that. You have to earn that take. You want my thoughts on Mike Lennon? Then you show me something first. Earn the take. Okay. I also love, Yogi, that you just referenced Merton Hanks, man. I love Merton Hanks. Dude, he's awesome. I was just texting with him before this call. I grew up a Niners fan. Uh, what I love about Merton is that he has played dramatically beneficial to our conference, and, and Merton's a huge part of that. Yeah, he is. You know he is. Yogi Ross. Emails. I am so excited for Marcus Freeman to assume coaching responsibilities as the head coach at South Bend. I'm here with my family. He's from Boston. He has to know how terrible it sounds when somebody tries to fake an accent. The hell is this guy doing? If Perv Jim can't compose himself with Columbus skank, how in the world can he handle Los Angeles ass? I don't know, man, but on the game? I will allow that. These guys hold all the time. Tell your guys to make better plays. Hey, you're not good enough to talk back to me. Don't talk to me, all right? There's some actual issues. Right. Thanks for telling these kids stories, man. It's awesome. Next question. Yeah, must I? It's not happening, Fatso. They were uh, eliminating... Limiting, limiting. No, oh, I appreciate you having me on. Love listening to your show. 20% of May's been left on bourbon strike. It's Friday. Today's Friday. Pre-order now. I am not a hag. I've been waiting on this call for over an hour. Would you make Nick Saban wait this long? Try to spread that kind of energy to you. More importantly. <laughs> Good night now. Hey, Kathleen, what's up? I am not a hag. That dude don't even know how old I am. I'll tell you how old I am. I am four years younger than my baby boy, Johannes. He's 35. I'm 31. I'll be 32 before he's 36. And that dude can come to me and get a stink face just like Rakishi used to do in the ring. Brian in Louisiana. Let's find out. Hey, Brian, how are you? Jimbo, is that you? Yes, Brian, is it you? It is me, and I'm wondering, I've been waiting on this call for over an hour. Would you make Nick Saban wait this long? Wait a minute. Is that you, Brian Kelly? It is, and I am here to defend my family. I mean, you've been dragging my name through the mud your whole damn show. You know, you're just busting my southern balls. I have self-identified as a southern man for years, and I'm finally getting down here away from them oppressive Catholic regime, and you... What are you trying to do, Jimbo? What are you doing? Brian, are you going to cry? I, I just might, Jim. I just might. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sitting here over a hot stove. I don't know whether to put the okra in the gumbo or not. Do you know, Jim? Do you know? Can you tell me? Hey, Brian, it's going to be fine. As long as you stop faking that accent and you win a couple of games, you got 15 million reasons to be just fine, man. Take it easy. Jim, I'm just trying to protect my family. I think you can understand that. You're a family man yourself. I am a family man myself. Go ahead and rack the fake Brian in Louisiana. Good night now!